think that's a really good segue for a, a big trend right now that maybe one of the other great ways to get started with influencers is to create your own, right? And, you know, you start to see this and, you know, again, I'll, I'll use a B2C example because I think it's one that, that everybody in the audience, regardless of industry, can probably follow a little bit is like, look at uh, the, the rise of Tesla connected to the social clout of Elon Musk, right? Yeah. You know, he goes on Joe Rogan, increases his celebrity because Joe's got what? Five billion people that listen to him every week, and that was definitely one of his high-profile ones. Magically, Elon's Twitter following 10x's, and you know you can see this linear curve right between the Tesla valuation and, and how popular Elon is. Right now, that's an extreme example. You know, I, I know that you know, maybe he's listening. I don't know. You know, but uh, the the idea of kind of using your thought leaders or your executive team to kind of become that influencer. Is that something you're seeing as a valid strategy um, in, in, you know, your average B2B company? Yes, and here's what I would say. Um, on the tech side of B2B, um, we're not only hearing about it a lot, we're managing now uh, multiple public company CEO social and a whole bunch of private company C-suite executives and CEOs because of exactly what you're talking about. The thing I would say is that now it's increasingly not a nice to have, but a must have. And let me tell you why, okay? So many companies, whether they're tech companies or manufacturing companies or services companies, whatever it is, so many tech companies position themselves as the innovator within their industry, okay? But here's the problem with that story. When you position your company and brand and products as an innovator, and then one of your buyers go looks up someone on the C-suite on LinkedIn and literally see they don't even have their photo there and are not active there at all, that starts to undermine your story as an innovator. So it is shifting from the opportunity, and I'll use another example, Mark Benioff at Salesforce yep. has always been extremely active on social, right? Um, you're shifting from the opportunity to establish yourself um, as a thought leader to where it's now becoming and um, something that is going to in the deal flow, whether you are aware of it or not, because buyers now want to increasingly know the people and executives behind the brand. With everything that's happened over the last year and a half and everything we've learned what is, from what is happening, it's increasingly Okay, buyers want to have a sense of the brands. Okay, and the best sense of the brand they can get is from the CEO or the executives. And those that aren't providing those insights via a blog post, bylines, social activity are going to increasingly be at a disadvantage. Okay, so now that I sort of set the stage, okay, yes, executives are becoming aware of exactly what you and I are talking about. And typically there's a curve here. Okay, the curve goes from they got to get active on social. And to be clear, active means maybe one to three posts a week on LinkedIn, okay? And maybe, you know, anywhere from a handful to two to three tweets a day on Twitter, okay? So they have to get active, step one. Step two, they have to have something to talk about, i.e. be a thought leader, okay? They can't just share other people's content or the brand's content the whole time. 
Okay, they have to have a position. And one of the ways I prompt people to think about this is to say, okay, if your PR team called you up tomorrow and said, wonderful news, you're going to be on Oprah the day after tomorrow. Right. What are you going to talk about? And the reason I say Oprah versus Kramer, if you're familiar at all with, you know, Kramer on, on talking about stocks and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. We all know Kramer, right? The reason I say Oprah is Oprah doesn't want to hear your product pitch. She wants to hear the human aspect of the story. She doesn't, she doesn't want to hear about how your, your financial projections make you a good investment either, right? And she wants to hear the human story. And the human story is what resonates with all of us, whether it's via social, via digital, via a trade show, when we're back in person, it doesn't matter, right? So, so you have to go, the executive has to go from being active to starting to have a thought leadership platform and then aspire to be an influencer. The, the bad news here is every executive, or more importantly, every one of the PR teams or CMOs that are pushing the executive want to jump right to influencer. Okay, but that's not how it works because the buyers are not stupid and the buyers know what's authentic or not and it's all being amplified and shared on social media. So you have to go through this path. Now, each step of the path provides huge value. So the fact that an executive is even active on social, okay, checks the box of you're gonna lose, lose less business by having an innovative product story and then not having your executives be active on digital, right? Yeah. The thought leader, where you're really going to start to engage buyers in conversations and they're going to reach out to you as they're thinking, what should I do? Right? That way, when the buying cycle comes around, you're not in the, in the um, you know, you're just not in the set of companies that are going to evaluate. You're already in the default position. Due to being someone influential, where, where you're now helping to drive where the community goes and you're almost representing the community in the marketplace. This yeah. is really the curve. And I would say it's moved from, if you would ask me this question a couple of years ago, I would have said it's opportunistic. Those that do these will more likely win, but now I'm increasingly saying, sorry, introverted C-suite and sorry PR teams that want to have everything super polished before anyone says anything. We, the buyers now, increasingly want to understand the people behind the brand. So it is starting to be an existential threat and the C-suite must do it. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, again, I, I think that, um, you know, the idea, well, I think you said it just now, you know, people want to understand the difference behind it. But as I also think that there's a real element there you know and i think what you hit on is that broad reach right is is you can't go into the weeds you can't make it a product marketing effort it needs to be something that is that that relatively broad interest maybe the the story behind the company maybe even the story behind the individual and and thought leadership about what that individual is really passionate about because that's what's going to capture attention you know, to, to throw it un, under a marketing cliche at the top of the funnel, right? You know, nobody wants to be sold to when they're first starting that conversation or digital relationship. So, you know, I think about that, though, and, and you know, step one, getting your thought leaders, getting your executives starting to be active on social. 
I think that that happens in a lot of places. I think like you mentioned that like tech gets it right. Mostly because a lot of those tech entrepreneurs these days probably admire the Jack Dorsey's admire the Mark Zuckerberg's who, you know, made their billions by creating social, right? Those are the stories they followed. Um, but then I, I look at, you know, maybe some of these other niches, you know, industrial manufacturing. How do you get started? Because I can imagine there's got to be a contingent out there that's like, yeah, I love to be more active on social, but I'm in 15 calls a day and I've got a lot of other priorities. How can a marketing team start working with their executives to get that process started and start getting those real human stories out there? Yeah, so I'll tell you, I've been, I've been sort of in this world of what I broadly call executive social for probably five, six years now. And it took me, I'm, I'm fairly thick-headed, so it took me a long time to understand this simple truth. And that simple truth is we're not going to teach some grizzled CFO or CEO how to use Twitter, and then they will magically start using Twitter, okay, or LinkedIn, or Instagram. You, you, you know, it's not going to happen. So what you have to understand, and I'm going to sound very inauthentic here, but is, is you're going to need someone else to do it for them. Now, let me say this. There is a long history in the world of PR where PR teams and outside writers wrote the bylines for executives and, of course, had the executives, in theory, review the bylines before they were actually published on the industry pubs or on you know, on the Forbes Council or wherever or whatever it was. So it is absolutely not only okay, but for the vast, vast majority of executives, they're going to need someone else to be posting for them. Okay. So one of the things that literally you want to do is have your marketing team or someone outside help you like Dean Houston and walk the executive through a set of questions. Now, number one question is, what are the goals on social? Okay, is it to be a brand advocate? Is it to share what your visions are? Is it to support the sales team and do social selling? Is it, you know, to, to you know, whatever it is. Okay, and those are goals will evolve over time as an executive gets more comfortable with social. The next thing is, well, what is their positioning? Okay, are they a, a, tech, a, a vision, industry visionary? Are they uh, a, a leader type person? Are they a um, change agent? Okay, are they a brand ambassador? Whatever their natural, how they are, what they care about, that has to be positioned very carefully. If you're talking to a CEO that is a world-class operations executive, you do not want to position them as a product visionary. Okay, everyone will see through that. So it's got to fit how how they come at things right the next piece is going to be well what are they sharing a lot of it should reflect what do they already share via email what do they already say within their personal network and say hey i just read this great article you should read it too and and all great executives are reading stuff all the time so it really should be sharing literally what it is they already read and share combined with some element of what truthfully the marketing team wants to share and supporting brand. Yeah. Okay. And you literally create a social calendar and then the social team, don't worry about it. The social team will be the one that knows to tag the author and to drop the right hashtags in and the, and, and will let you know when someone commented that you should then drop back in and do a little comment. 
right? So the mechanics of it, th that can be handled by someone else, but you really want to get your head around what are my goals on socials or what is my persona on social that authentically reflects who I am and, and, and sort of what are the themes and topics in particular that I sort of want to share that should reflect what I already read and what I already share. Yep. No, and I think that that, um, again, you know, it's all about finding the alignment, like, you know, use that value stream analogy, you know, how do we create value for everybody? And, and I love that idea, like, and I think we might steal this one from you, Carter, is whenever we approach this is, what are the last five books you read? You know, and, and, and tell me what that is, because that is going to, to show a lot about what that, you know, potential, you know, company-driven influencers value system is. And then working to find alignment, you know, like you talked about, there's different types of leaders. You know, if, if the last five books were about organizational leadership and creating a culture of empowerment, well, let's talk about that. And then, you know, eventually, yeah, we might need to start introducing product, not in a shill way, but tell us how some of your leadership position, you know, decisions impacted your product mix or what's happening in your company. And again, you're finding this alignment where your audience is getting value out of that. Hey, here are my lessons learned being a leader that maybe I pulled from this reference source. And here's how it played out in our company. And yeah, maybe a product is present, but it's more a character in the story as opposed to a product being sold. Um, yeah. it's, it's very, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's funny how it, it starts coming together, right? And let me tie it back to influencer now. Because one of the things you also do is you ask the executive, well, who influences you? And sometimes in the world of tech, where we play in a lot, we may say, to your point, are you an Elon Musk? Are you more like a Bill Gates? Or are you more rah-rah leadership, more like a Richard Branson, right? So where do you sit on these? Um, and, and then the other thing I'll say, um, also tying it back to influencer from a tactical standpoint, is we're doing programs now where the influencer marketing uh, campaign is specific to the influencer having conversations with the CEO of a company and doing a podcast and bringing the, the CEO on their podcast or on their webinar or on their Twitter chat to raise the visibility of the CEO and then by extension the brand. So you start to tie these different initiatives together and that's another good example of being creative. And I highlight these things as creative because we don't have to think about creative in the context like we do with B2C. How do we do the first great TikTok campaign, right? It really is saying take these very simple building blocks that we're simply extending a bit and then creatively snap them together. Influencer plus CEO plus virtual event, yep. right? And then turning it into multiple pieces of content that we then tie together to get our brain discovered, get buyers interested, and then finally drive intent which speeds the lead flow. This is really where the creativity comes from. Well, and I think if you look at like the highest level benefits there, and it goes back to, you know, I think when you, you really made that strong statement about community is by positioning your executives, your thought leaders, your leadership team, you know, authentically, in, in offering value in the areas they're passionate about, you start to build a community digitally around your business. That, that's starting to become very obvious to me. Like, I think I can, you know, start to articulate thoughts there. But 
you know, I think about some of the other, you know, and, and I wouldn't call them fringe benefits, you know, but tying it back to, you know, maybe in, in these industrial or highly technical niches that, that we know and love, like what are some of the, the side effects there? And one of the questions I'd like to ask, and we've talked about speaking engagements quite a bit, I have to imagine that one of the results and outcomes of, you know, starting to go down this path of company-driven influencer is that you start to get on other people's radar and other people's lists when they're making their own efforts, right? So, you know, do you see this as being a path of, you know, and I'll think about, you know, a conference that was very near and dear to me, you know, like, a, you know, a Adobe Summit, right, which is their big digital marketing thing. Well, Adobe, one of their keynotes was Microsoft CEO, right? And I think a lot of that is because he had been doing a lot of content. They've obviously got a pretty good business partnership. But is that same thing happening relatively frequently where these CEOs and executives who are embracing, you know, the, this role of influencer or social thought leader are starting to see pull through and being invited to speak in other high visibility environments? Well, here's the beautiful thing about your comment um, uh, is that it's not only at the CEO level, it's at the VP level, it's at the director level, it's at the domain expert level, which often are, frankly, the folks doing the real work every day. So this could be at the manager level or the practitioner level. And let me give you an example that really is something I typically talk about when I'm having discussions around employee advocacy. Now, what I say is, but it's absolutely applicable to the point you brought up, okay? But I want to frame it this way because I think each of us can understand this depending on where we are in our career curve, okay? It used to be that it was all about networking and who you knew to find how you advance in your career. Do you agree with that? I think I know where you're going. Part of me yeah. does, but I think yeah. I also agree with where you're headed. Yes, which is increasingly, it's not who you know, but who knows of you that will now define your career success and in the context of this discussion, new opportunities that are opening up at the most senior level. Okay, so, so there are tremendous benefits. I'll also loop back to the community uh, comment because it is so fundamental that, that really the way to, to sell, the way to really uh, and, and again, within these niche industries, they actually have the strongest communities and most specialized communities. Is the more a brand can focus all their efforts on supporting the community, the more powerful that brand will be versus the brand that's trying to elbow their way and sell into the community. And that's why I come back to the thematic that says, the influencer can be the Sherpa into the community and that influencer can be holding the hand of the CEO and bringing them on into, into the community just like they could be holding the hand of the brand. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think like to, to dovetail all that, right? So you're working with an influencer, they Sherpa you into the community. The result isn't instant gratification and instant win, though I'm sure a lot of good things happen. You know, it's almost like this next evolution of that company-driven influencer that has to happen because you take that external influencer, they bring you into the community. Well, that's the start. Now you're part of the community. But what do you tell have to offer to it? Yeah, let me tell you because this is where something else we talked about. I want to tap again. 
once you understand it's not about brand awareness, it's about advocacy. Okay, because advocacy drives action. I'll say it this way. We all know brands that we're very familiar with and we're very familiar with them because we downloaded a white paper and within five minutes they started harassing us with their sales team. Yeah. Okay, and we're very aware of that brand but there is no advocacy there whatsoever. Okay, so what happens is you really go from becoming part of the community to driving advocacy within the community to generating deal flow. The best way to drive advocacy in the community is to make it all about the community versus all about your products and services. Okay, and this is where these different shifts are. That's why I come back to every piece of content should have another voice, meaning every piece of content the brand creates is another opportunity to highlight someone within the community to drive advocacy. So all of these structural pieces fit together and the influencer marketing piece is an extremely good way to sort of kick off this directional change in how B2B marketers think about this. No, I think that that, um, you know, uh, again, you know, right, because we, we went through all these different things and we kind of dove down a couple rabbit holes, but you look at the common through line there, you know, and, and you know, there's a lot of moving pieces and parts and well, that's why, you know, firms like Dean Houston and Leadtail exist to help you know, navigate all those little moving pieces and parts. But at the highest level, you know, and Carter, I know we're, we're coming close to time here, you know, so maybe I'll ask you for your, your closing insights there, but it really seems like at the heart of everything, think about your community and think about adding value through advocacy. You get those two things right, you know, yeah, you gotta execute on the tactical level at a high level, that's always there. But if that base foundation of community and advocacy and in, in truly adding value above just inserting your product, you get that right, you're probably going to succeed. Is that something that you would agree with? Yeah, I would take it further than that, which is we don't have any choice anymore. And therefore, we must get into this, figure it out and get it right, given our specific industries or buyers. And I'm going to give you a very simple example of why we have no choice okay anyone listening on this call will understand this simple concept when we see on our mobile phones a call from a phone number we do not recognize what do we do hit that red button that's correct the world has changed the world has changed so i i argue strongly that we no longer have a choice so you can either embrace it now or you can embrace it later and be way behind is, is really what I would say. So I, I believe we're moving into the period of existential threat versus, you know, nice to have, let alone opportunistic. Right. You know, is that's, yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to what you said. It's, it's maybe what's more important these days is who knows you. And if they don't recognize you when you come across that metaphor, metaphorical caller ID, the conversation fails to start. Right. That's, that's correctly right. And that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's an extremely powerful insight. Um, I mean, Carter, do you have any closing words? I mean, I'm sure this, this won't be the last time that, uh, that we collaborate on something like this, because I think it was, it was full a ton of actionable insights. Um, you know, but, but any, any big closing words for the audience before we, we call this one? Yeah, I would just say this, and it falls under a larger thematic that I really want marketers to understand especially if you're working for companies that are not, you know, the, the gorilla in the market, 
okay? And that's most companies since each industry typically will only have one or two true leaders, as you mentioned, Adobe in their field, right? Um, and that is the only way we're gonna win is not by doing today's best practices. We don't have the budget, don't have the brand, don't have the content teams, and now we're dealing with a pure digital world, which may not be, we may not be a similar, right? So the only way we're gonna win is figuring out what will be best practices in the future and starting them today. And everything we're talking about today, the bad news is we're moving into existential threat territory. The good news is, okay, that most of your competitors haven't started this journey either. Okay, so there's a lot of opportunity here for everyone. And I really, I really encourage everyone to shift their thinking from trying to optimize today's playbook, which by the way, is already three to five years out of date, to what is coming down and how to develop the skill set today, even though it can be uncomfortable, it can be taking you into areas that you're not familiar with. But you know, from struggle come skills. And, and that is, that's gonna be the critical thing going forward. No, and that, uh, well, and, and, you know, to kind of close it out, I, I think we've talked about some very specific ways, regardless of budget or level of investment or priority on your current marketing roadmap. I think we've identified a lot of ways for people to be able to get started, you know, and that, I think that's the thing is start the journey, get there. And that even puts you at an advantage. Like you said, it's almost like a game theory thing. If your competitors aren't doing it and you're starting to go down the path, well, you're the leader. So, you know, it, it isn't too late. If anything, it's, it's now is the perfect time to start. And, and Carter, I think a lot of the wisdom and insight you shared is going to be a great first step for a lot of marketers out there. So thank you so much. Absolutely my pleasure. It's great, great to be on the show today. Uh, well, and to the audience, we'll see you soon. And uh, have a great one.